0: so hello and a very warm welcome to each of you uh, wherever you are in the world uh, at this time and however you're doing uh, in mind or in body uh, in this moment a really warm welcome to each of you it's lovely to have you with us and it's such a pleasure to be gathering for this fourth session of the Mindfulness Frame-by-Frame course with uh, our dear friend and colleague, Mark Williams. And the title of this session is Restoring Balance. Restoring Balance. And just some reminders that uh, uh, you're invited, if you'd like to, to say hello in the chat as we begin our time together. And you may want to say where you are at this time. So um, please feel very welcome to, to say hello in the chat. If you'd like to do so, you can set the chat for panelists and attendees, so that uh, we, get, we all receive the cascade of, of names and locations. Um, and a reminder that uh, during the, 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 the teaching uh, of this session, the chat function will be switched off so that we can uh, give more undivided attention to what Mark is saying. Um, But if you notice questions arising that you'd like to ask Mark about anything that he's saying or guiding us in, you're most welcome to put them into the Q&A box and they will be collected. And then towards the end of the session, um, there'll be an opportunity for uh, Mark to respond to some of the questions that are asked. Um, so please feel most welcome to do that. So it's, it's lovely to get a sense of, of all of you arriving and, as I say, really warm well welcome and a, a real pleasure now to hand over to dear Mark to guide us in this evening session.
1: Thanks, Chris. Uh, in a moment we'll do a practice together. But first, I want to start by thanking Andy and Elin for the recap of sessions one to three. I was able to catch up with the podcast when I returned from my holiday. And I really appreciated the way they reminded us of the themes from each week, the flexibility of the anchor from week one, and that we can include external anchors like sounds, as well as anchors in the body, such as the feet and seat and hands and breath. And then the taking the pause from week two, when the mind wanders, they spoke of acknowledging it without self-criticism, especially when things are really difficult and when thanking the mind feels really hard to do. Just taking that pause and allowing things to be as they are for a moment is an act of befriending. And then there's summary of week three, discovering the feel of things, that the feeling tone is sometimes instantaneous, It can be under the radar. It can be split second. It can be very subtle and it can be often missed. So now let's come to sit and continue our practice of tuning in to the feeling tone right now. So coming to sit and noticing this sense of sitting here, closing your eyes if that feels comfortable or lowering your gaze. noticing your body sitting here, maybe scanning the body for a few breaths, to come back in touch with the body sitting here, with its echoes of what you've been doing perhaps. Noticing where your ground is right now, where your anchor is. Perhaps visiting different anchor points. The feet on the floor. Sense of the body sitting on the chair, the contact with the seat. The hands resting on your lap or your thighs. Or sounds around you from outside or inside. And then the breath. Where do you feel the breath moving? And choosing one place to have as an anchor or some, some combination of places that, that for you feels right, for you feels grounding right now. then at a certain point, expanding the attention to the whole body. And as you do so, noticing what sensations are most prominent now and what's their tonality, how do they feel? Pleasant or unpleasant or somewhere in between. Are the sensations changing in any way? And if they do, does the feeling tone change as well? Sometimes thoughts or feelings might come too, and we can get lost inside them. And as soon as we notice this has happened, just taking a pause and saying, so what's the feeling tone of this? If it's a whole thought stream, we could ask the question of the whole thought stream, ah, is this pleasant or unpleasant or somewhere in between? And at a certain point, coming back to your anchor and receiving sensations from your chosen anchor, whatever they are. And then begin to move fingers and toes, letting the eyes open if they've been closed. So let's recap where we are. Feeling tone, as Elin reminded us last week, is called Vedana in the Pali language. That's V-E-D-A-N-A. This is useful to know if you want to explore the Buddhist roots of what we're doing. Vedana is the second foundation of mindfulness and is a critical factor in how we experience the world moment by moment. And the feeling tone of a moment, its affective valence, if you will, has also been independently discovered by psychological research to be foundational to emotions and emotional distress because they help build mental models that interpret the world and imagine the future in ways that can easily entrap us. So once again, we see an amazing convergence between ancient wisdom and modern science and practice. And either or both frameworks can help us explore the mind and heart because what they both suggest is that while feeling tone arises in each moment of contact and is an unavoidable unavoidable aspect of it, it can be followed by reactions that are unskillful in the very next moment. Most commonly, but not always, attachment to pleasant stimuli aversion to unpleasant stimuli, and tuning out to neutral stimuli. So Vedana, the valence of this moment, how positive or negative it feels, is unavoidable. The reactivity to it is avoidable. It's hard, but it is a possible point of entry into the habitual vicious cycles that create and maintain emotional distress. So we're going to come back to this later But before we do, I want to explore some of the themes that have already come up um, when you've been exploring feeling tone. So someone asked, is feeling tone like a built-in barometer or does it sometimes reflect our history? Yes, it is like a barometer, registering this moment's feeling tone. But the discovery is that this moment's feeling tone comes not only from what is happening now, but also summarizes your whole conditioning history. For example, have you ever been talking to someone and they say something that annoys you, even mildly? Perhaps it was something like, oh, I thought everyone knew that. Perhaps it felt a bit unpleasant. And that can be both because of what they just said, but also perhaps because there's a fleeting echo of being back at school perhaps being belittled by a sarcastic teacher or another kid. You've interpreted it in the light of other things. But here's an important thing. We don't need to know what that event might have been. We don't need to analyze why it's come up now. We simply, as best we can, register the sense of pleasantness and unpleasantness that arises now. Why? Because first, there might have been all sorts of subtle things that funnel in to that moment of feeling tone and we may never discover them all so it will often be a wild goose chase that just drives your mood lower and lower second it's enough to become aware of the feeling tone of this moment because it is this moment's tonality that is colouring your interpretation of the next moment, affecting the lens through which you're seeing things. And so this is the moment that will affect the very next moment. It's now that we have a chance to become aware of it and make a choice. This week, some of you may have had a taste of how simply becoming aware of the pleasantness or unpleasantness of a moment and acknowledging it right there and then might have changed your reactions in some way. Someone asked about how feeling tone is related to emotions. So here we aren't noting a feeling tone in the sense of a fully grown emotion, such as sadness or excitement, worry or relaxation, but the simpler sense of positivity or negativity of a moment. The sense of feeling tone is simpler and can come before the full emotion. And that's why we sometimes use the expression going upstream. It's as if we're sitting on the river bank, noticing thoughts and feelings floating past, and then glancing upstream to where the river is flowing from to catch the first moment of contact. But we don't have to go upstream. Thoughts and emotions, plans and daydreams, once fully formed and floating past us on the stream of consciousness, in full view, they also have a feeling tone. they also be somewhere on the spectrum of highly unpleasant through mild and neutral to the mild and highly unpleasant. Some asked about the practice. When do you know when not to do the feeling tone practice? And this is a pressing question if you are overwhelmed by grief or sorrow right now, or life is very turbulent. When things are difficult, let yourself off the hook if you need to. If you choose to carry on even a few breaths, sitting in your sitting place or anywhere else as a way of grounding yourself or feeling your feet on the ground as you walk might be all you need to bring more space for you. However, if you find that taking time for yourself in this way just feels like it's making your mood worse and it's proving too overwhelming, then it's fine to make an intentional decision to let let it go for a while. Notice that your intention can make a big difference here. If you intentionally decide to let go of the formal practice for a while, you may actually find yourself discovering all sorts of little ways during the day to practice waking up and noticing the feeling tone. I think most of us miss our daily practice unintentionally. For instance, when we're too busy, then it's easy to feel guilty about it and a bit haunted by the sense of not having done what you're committed to do. The judge in the head starts up again. You must do this. Practising because you've been cajoled to practice is like driving a car with a handbrake on. So if you find yourself resistant to the practice, and someone asked about this too, then being aware of the resistance might be the practice for you right now. Where is the resistance in your body? If it's unpleasant, noticing this, acknowledging this, and you've done what you have to do. One final theme from the questions was, what do we do when the mind is full of toxic thoughts, or if we're so anxious or angry, you just hit a wall of emotion and cannot get past it to the feeling tone? So although we said that tonality was sometimes subtle and hard to see, when we're experiencing a wall of intense emotions, the feeling tone is hiding, but it's hiding in plain view. It's right in your face. And all we're asked to do at that point is to note the feeling tone of the wall itself as best we can. Then seeing if it's possible at least to allow it to be as it is for now. As Andy and Elin uh, said, acknowledging the pleasantness and unpleasantness of the emotion, and in this case, the unpleasantness of the wall, for this moment is a gesture of taking care of yourself. So let's now take a breathing space and tune in again to the feeling tone of what's here right now. You're coming to sit and noticing your posture. And the first step of the breathing space, having stepped out of automatic pilot, is to register the weather pattern in mind and body. And whatever's coming up, whatever you discover in mind and body, whether it's thoughts or feelings or sensations, noticing the feeling tone. Naming it. Ah, here is unpleasant. This is what unpleasant is like. Or here is a pleasant sensation or thought. This is what a pleasantness is like. Now at a certain point, gathering your attention and placing placing it on your anchor, wherever that is for you. So we're deliberately narrowing down our attention, the focus of the attention, and receiving the sensations from just one place. And then the third step of the breathing space, opening to the spaciousness of the whole body. And a sense of accepting this body just as it is and yourself just as you are. And then beginning to move and letting the eyes open if they've been closed. This week's theme is restoring balance. How can feeling tone practice help restore and maintain a sense of stability and balance in the midst of the busyness and chaos of everyday life? And is there anything else we can do? Remember we said that we needed to really look closely at the tonality because we can't take for granted how it will be. And that's because the feeling tone is not part of the object itself, but always arises from how the object meets your body-mind. It's the coming into contact that gives rise to feeling tone. So to come back to an example we've seen before, a favourite chocolate is normally pleasant, but if it is offered when you are already really, really full, it is unpleasant. Tonality isn't always what we expect. And if over the past couple of weeks you've had time to bring to mind at the end of the day, the events of that day, large and small, you may have found that as events came to you, you were surprised by which felt pleasant and which, feel, which felt unpleasant at that moment. The same is true of our reactions to feeling tone too. They are not always what you expect. So we need to explore these too, frame by frame. So consider pleasantness. Do pleasant feeling tones always lead to a sense of wanting to have more? Actually, you may notice that sometimes we don't trust pleasant feelings and we may even try to dampen the feeling so as not to be disappointed or we try to dampen it in others. If you're a parent, you may know what it's like when your child is excited about something. You may really worry that they will be disappointed and then it's really hard not to say to them, don't get your hopes up. Philip Rice at the University of Leuven uses a questionnaire that asks how you respond when you feel happy, excited, or enthused. See if you recognize any of these. When I feel happy, excited, or enthused, I remind myself these feelings won't last. I think about things that could go wrong. I think my streak of luck is going to end soon. I think I don't deserve this. I think this is too good to be true. Do any of them feel familiar? Their research finds that the tendency to dampen positive feelings in this way isn't very good for us. It's as if we worry so much about being let down by positive mood, we try to get in our disappointment first before it can happen. There is truth in the statement that things don't last, but this was never meant to cut you off from your sources of nourishment. Meditation teacher Martine Batchelor makes a similar point. She asks us to imagine that feeling tone goes from 10, very unpleasant, or rather minus 10, to plus 10, very pleasant. But she says, although most of us notice if something is slightly unpleasant, the minus ones, It takes a plus five for us to notice the pleasant. How can we savour each small moment as it is actually happening? And can we do this without attachment on the one hand or dampening on the other? Similarly, when unpleasant things occur, we most often resist them, pushing them away. And this resistance can make things worse. But we know that sometimes we can become attached to negative feelings, nursing our anger, for example. How can we learn to allow the unpleasant without resistance on one hand or attachment on the other, both of which are in danger of feeding the negativity? And notice how, whether it's resistance or dampening or attachment, both reactions have in common that the mind is getting busy trying to change things. So this week, when we register feeling tone frame by frame, we're going to zoom into the next few frames as well to practise allowing the feeling tone to be sensed just as it is and seeing if we can do so without getting busy trying to change it and see what happens if we can do this. So one way of doing this, if it's pleasant, is after we've acknowledged it, ah, here is pleasant, contact, pleasant, is to say inwardly, it's okay to like this. And if it's unpleasant, after we've acknowledged it, okay, I've seen this, here is unpleasant. Then we say inwardly, it's okay not to like this. Let's try this for a minute now. Without changing posture, closing your eyes if that feels comfortable and sensing your body just as it is at this moment sitting here And just tuning in, what sensations are here? Perhaps focusing on the most prominent sensations. How does it feel, pleasant or unpleasant? And if there are pleasant sensations, perhaps a sense of relaxation somewhere, acknowledging it, ah, pleasant, then adding it's okay to like this. If it's unpleasant, a discomfort or intensity somewhere or tiredness perhaps, acknowledging this, ah, unpleasant. And adding, it's okay not to like this. and then opening your eyes. Taking a moment now to reflect on what you noticed. We're going to explore this in more detail using mindful movement in a moment, but there's something important to say before we do. When you say it's okay, you are not saying that the situation that created the feeling is okay. So if you've hurt your back and it's painful, you are not saying that it's okay to be in pain. You are saying it's okay not to like the pain. Or if a memory of a past difficulty or trauma arises, you're not saying it's okay that the trauma happened or even that it's okay to have the memory coming up yet again. You're saying it's okay to find the memory unpleasant, that it's okay and indeed natural not to like it. So I want now just to lead us in some stretches. So you can do these standing up or sitting down. It's perfectly possible to do these sitting down as you you sit there, or you can stand up if you like. That's fine too. So whenever we do any stretches, remember the instructions to look after yourself, not pushing beyond your limits. And we're just going to be noticing sensations as you move and stretch, and also noticing the feeling tone. So as you sit here or stand here, noticing the feet on the floor, if you're sitting, the body on the chair, and bringing your attention to your breath in the the center of your body, And then when you're ready, beginning to allow the arms to move up from the side of your body, so they become parallel with the floor. And then slowly, if it's possible for you, to continue to move and stretch right up until the arms are parallel to each other and the palms are facing each other. Doing as much or as little as you can here not overstretching at all. Now, even in this position, without doing any intense stretching at all, noticing the sensations, and noticing if any of them are unpleasant or pleasant. What's the feeling tone? And if there are any unpleasant sensations, just register this and then say, it's okay not to like them. exploring this for a moment longer. And then on an out breath, beginning to move the arms down. Until very slowly and following the sensations as you move the arms down and the changing feeling tone of those sensations till eventually the arms come to rest by your sides, whether you're sitting or standing. And just noticing the after effects of having done that stretch. Letting the shoulders drop. If your eyes have been open, then perhaps closing the eyes to tune in to the sensations. And if the dropping the shoulders feels some relaxation or and if any of these sensations are pleasant, registering this too. And adding, it's okay to like this. It's okay to like this sensation. And then this time I want you to move the shoulders up as if they were going to cover your ears. And although we'll do shoulder rolls in the middle at uh, minute, I want you just to notice in this position with the shoulders up, what sensations are here. Not trying to overstretch, but if there's any slight discomfort or intensity, just registering that, ah, Unpleasant, perhaps mildly unpleasant. And it's okay not to like it. If it's pleasant, then, ah, pleasant. It's okay to like it. And then to move the shoulders back as if the shoulder blades wanted a touch behind you. And again, without overstretching, notice what sensations arise as you do this. Holding it there, if you choose, and registering the sensations and the feeling tone. It's okay not to like it if it's unpleasant. It's okay to like it if it's pleasant. Now let the shoulders drop. And noticing the sensation down. Perhaps noticing slight movement as you breathe in the shoulders. If there are any sensations here, pleasantness or unpleasantness, registering it and allowing it, it's okay. Now moving the shoulders forwards as if they wanted to meet in front of you. Noticing the feeling here in the shoulder blades and across the back, the upper back and in the shoulders themselves. And once again, is it pleasant or unpleasant? If it's unpleasant, it's okay not to like this. It's pleasant, it's okay to like it. And then coming to rest, coming to stillness. So, spending a moment now reflecting what, if anything, did I discover from this simple stretching practice? Taking your seat again, if if you've been standing, and just noticing the after effects of registering feeling tone in the body. And if there are after effects, are they pleasant or unpleasant? And as you were moving just then, what did you discover from it? What discoveries or difficulties did you have? Maybe put one word or phrase in the chat. So um, the chat's gonna be open for a couple of minutes. And if you have any questions, put those in Q&A. But if you have any just reactions to this practice, any discoveries or difficulties with this saying, okay to like it, okay not to like it. That's what we're focused on here. So feel free to put anything in the chat. So somebody said releasing, somebody said awareness tired, heaviness. Somebody said it's like Tai Chi. Yeah. And relief. So quite a lot of relief and peaceful. Somebody noticing tension or more tension. Resistance. Good to notice. Good to notice. Giving the mind a rest. Reassuring. Reluctant, somebody said. Tightness. From tightness to spaciousness. Softening. A letting go. Relaxing. Interesting, somebody said that interesting just to explore it. Realising the posture, aching or acceptance, discovering or an exacerbation of of a tremor. Difficult to focus on the exercise, the mind drifting, that's fine, that's good. Well noticed, difficult to accept something, yeah. Realising that everything is okay one way or the other, softening, letting go. Permission, exploring sensations, less elaboration. That's an interesting observation, isn't it? That we sometimes get less elaboration with this. Softening the judgment. Somebody noticed their busy mind. Happy for noticing the body working. Okay to like. Yes, somebody said they've got a tendency to damp down any joy I feel due to childhood experiences with a parent. Isn't that so? Even parents trying to do their best, try to sort of somehow, they think they're protecting us, I think. And we as parents think we're protecting people when we say, oh, don't get get your hopes up. There'll be tears by bedtime. Appreciating movement and following the desire to do an extra stretch at the end. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, yeah. And health concerns flaring up. This can happen too. Awareness and acceptance that this is the moment, yeah. Managing your expectations, yeah. And remember that it's okay not to like is relaxing. Isn't that a a curious thing? That just noticing that it's okay not to like it somehow shifts the resistance to it. And somebody's surprised by the anticipating mind, something I thought would be pleasant was actually unpleasant. Absolutely, this can go either way, can't it? You can have your shoulders like that and think, oh, this is unpleasant, but just a minute, oh, that's pleasant, or the other way around. And this sense that sometimes it's healing, or somebody said a very subtle line between pleasant and unpleasant. Thank you so much for these these comments. A lifetime of dampening, trying too hard. That's so good to notice that, so good to notice that. So I just want now to, because that's going to be a, one of the meditations for the week, um, echoes of gardening, somebody said. So we're gonna close the chat now. And that's gonna be one of the meditations for the week. So just noticing feeling tone, either incorporating into your normal practice or doing this practice, a dedicated practice to notice feeling tone. But there's also another practice we said was there anything else you could do and there is on this theme of restoring balance it's sometimes called the 10 finger gratitude practice so before our um, q a starts i want to just explore this second way of restoring balance this helps us notice small pleasant moments that might pass us by these are the the zero to plus fives as martin Batchelor might say so now again if you want to close your eyes Looking back over the last 24 hours and seeing if you can bring to mind things that you're grateful for. Anything, no matter how small, that you're grateful for that have happened or noticed over the last 24 hours. And maybe counting them on your fingers, if you like, seeing if you can, you can get to 10. If it feels hard to get beyond four or five, don't worry, that's absolutely normal. And when that happens, maybe intentionally bring into awareness the tiny ordinary things of the day, like running water in the tap, or being able to wash yourself, or the first mouthful of the meal you've had, or the sip, first sip of a drink, or maybe there's been a breeze moving in the trees, or a bird song, or the color of a wall. Tiny things. Then at a certain point, coming back to your anchor and maybe just noticing that your breath is still here. And perhaps completing your 10 by appreciating the life giving nourishment of each breath. Even if it's not your anchor for now, you may just notice in the background the breath is still here. So this breath, and this breath, following one on the other. So we're going to now just open the chat for a minute or two. And maybe you could put in one thing that came up, some tiny thing that you noticed over the last 24 hours, without giving anything confidential away, just one thing that you are grateful for in the last 24 hours, music, laughter, sunshine, cycling, our bed, our garden, restful sleep, running, sailing, friendships, birds, flowers in the garden, ice cream, swimming, fresh coffee, wow, they're going too fast, wonderful, baby grandson, friends, a breeze, not doing anything, friendship, cup of tea, cat, colleagues, the Swifts, A little robin, rose scent, summer heat. So I think somebody went to Queen's tennis. Little bird, bees, dogs greeting. And I think somebody said a first word. Drinks, coffee, sun in the forest, talking to a colleague, lots of poppies, a camper van, waking up literally. Love from my dogs, saw puffins today, wow. Gratitude for realization of who I am, my body and mind. See my daughter smile after a long distance. This session, wildflowers, buzzards, working from home, sitting in the garden. Mm -hmm. Somebody's been doing Zumba over the last 24 hours. Jokes, greenness of summer trees, birds singing this morning, talking to my mum. Hmm. Thank you so much. So in a moment we'll close the chat. The word "blever" in the chat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a mother woodpecker feeding her young. Thank you. So that'll be another thing you can try this week at the end of each day or any time during the day. Just to take a moment to think back over the last 24 hours or since you last did the practice and just see if you can list on the fingers 10 things you're grateful for remembering to come to those tiny, tiny little things. I'm reminded when I see friends that can't wash themselves anymore, can't look after themselves anymore, how much I take it for granted that A, I have water in the tap and B, I can do this complicated and amazing thing, which maybe I won't always be able to do. So these tiny things, just looking for those. And uh, with that, I'm going to hand back to Chris, who's going to summarise some of the questions which have come up today.
0: Over to you, Chris. So helpful, so helpful. And yes, look, some really good questions have come up. Uh, One, um, some of my feeling tones have seemed mixed, both pleasant and unpleasant. Is this possible? It is possible, it's
1: a good question. And it's, it's possible partly because we have multiple channels, we have multiple sensory channels, um, and we have a, a mind that works incredibly quickly. So we can flip quickly and that can give the feelings of, of different feeling tones coming up at the same time, but also even within, within one sensory channel. Um, so for example, we can have painful feet but feel quite relaxed in our shoulders or hunched shoulders, but relaxed in our feet. And that's why sometimes when we have pain somewhere, it's often useful to ask the question, what else is here that we can focus on that's giving us slightly less of an unpleasant feeling tone. But but if you notice that it either rapidly changes or that you can have a mix, that's fine. And you can choose then either to go with it to see what's the most prominent, or you can sort of do an aggregate of the moment. Like what's the average feeling tone right now? Um, and all of this is fine, just exploring it, there's
0: no right or wrong. Thank you, Mark. Um, One question that's come up that people might find helpful, somebody said, I'm still a little muddled about what feeling tone is. Are there any succinct sentences to help recall it or find it?
1: Well, I think trying out different words or even sounds. So the feeling tone, if if, let's take example, if somebody, I mean, you might remember at school sometimes, especially if a board was being used, a chalkboard is being used, sometimes the teacher missed and the the chalk is very squeaky or their fingers, the nails went down the board. And that sound is almost universally, universally unliked, not liked. It's an unpleasant tonality. we gave the example a couple of weeks ago of sour milk. You get the milk out the fridge, you taste it and it's sour and that's unpleasant and you don't have to sort of think about it, you just know immediately. Or the smell of fresh bread is sometimes very pleasant, you love it Um, and again you don't need to know. It's just a feeling in body and mind of oh yeah that's nice, I like that. So. Use, try out different words like liking or disliking is fine. Do I like it? Do I dislike it? That, that works for some. Pleasant, unpleasant, positive or negative, or just green or red, like a dial flicking one way or the other. Um, and uh, it, if you just gently persist, sometimes it's because the, the, there's something overwhelming and it feels like this is obviously so bad. The feeling tone is just in your face, too obvious. Um, but just try out different ways and and see see what you notice.
0: Thank you. Um, A question, how do we know if we're perceiving feeling tone through the lens of mood? E.g. if we're in a bad mood or a sad mood, then feeling tones may tend to be registered as unpleasant, but when in a good mood, they may be neutral, or even okay.
1: Absolutely. So this is exactly, this is, this is spot on. It takes us to the heart of what feeling tone is, that it sometimes surprises us. And when we're in a, a bad mood, the meeting, even with something neutral, can feel bad. Rather like if somebody tells us a joke and we're not in the mood, yeah? And the joke just falls flat. Um, and, but if we're in the mood, we'll laugh heartily. So notice how feeling tone is always a meeting of how we are and the object. So when we say pleasant or unpleasant, although we often think, oh, that's obvious, it's in the ice cream or it's in the the breeze in the trees. Actually, it's a meeting of us, our body, mind, and the object. And when they make contact, that just little bit of contact, a feeling tone arises at that very moment. But if our body and mind is tired, down, uh, feeling awful, feeling anxious, then the, the thing itself will seem to give rise to a negative feeling tone. So just notice the feeling tone and notice exactly what the questioner said, that if you're feeling down, it will be a negative feeling tone and that's what to
0: register. Thank you, Mark. A question about neutral feeling tone. Uh, Somebody says, I found, especially during times of difficulty, that the many neutral parts of life can sometimes offer a sense of space or perspective or stability. Any comments on working with neutral stimuli? That's a good insight, actually,
1: and it's it's an insight that Martine Batchelor explores in some of her work. Um, So she says that the the zero Is actually a place of rest, especially if you've had some negativity. So, actually, zero can be a place of equanimity. Now, some scholars say, oh no, because that means it's tipped into positive. At that moment, the rest has become plus one or plus two. But she says, well, why bother to get into the semantics of it? Actually, the neutral can be quite a relief. And if that then feels Positive and it tips into the positive, then let's not worry about it. Um, there's a sense in which, yeah, there's a sense of balance here. So when we say that neutral can lead to a sort of tuning out, that's the neutral that we're not aware of that can create boredom. But the neutral that we're aware of makes all the difference. Suddenly we are mindful of the relative neutrality and it becomes a place of rest. It's only when we're unaware of neutrality and then we might think, oh, give me something more interesting, please. So great thing to explore,
0: thank you. So a question about pain. Um, Mark mentioned that if you've hurt your back, you're not saying it's okay to be in pain, just that it's okay not to like it. I experience chronic, mostly mild pain most of the time, and I'm wondering if the pain is long term and unresolvable, is it okay to say to yourself that it's okay to be in pain, or is this an unhelpful thing to do? That's
1: a really, really good question if you're chronic and in pain, is it okay to say it's okay that you... Well, you know, I would, I would think that it's very much up to you to explore that if you find it helpful to, to, to know that the pain is not going to instantly go away because somebody's going to find a cure next week, that at least can have some element of freedom in it because it lets go of the frustrative search, you know, the search on the internet and the search and the and the urgency of the search so that there's a sort of sense in which saying this is with me and if you've got a chronic condition there's something about letting go of the of the urge to make it better that can be releasing and freeing. and that I think is up to up to the individual to explore, but here we're talking about the sense of how the feeling tone when it gets in on the act and you're not aware of it, the unpleasantness of the pain can mask the slight up and down that happens even with chronic pain. Um, that There's often there's in- a region of intensity, a period of intensity, and then it gets slightly less intense, then it goes up and down. But what the mental model building in the mind does is capture the most intense, it captures the peaks. Because remember we said that the reason why the mind is building mental models is to predict what to do, what action to take. So the mind tends to, cap- to capture the peaks because that's the one most likely to, to need to be addressed. And once it's captured it in its cache, as it were, like a computer cache or it's in its store, it then echoes round to the next moment. The next moment is then coloured by its sense of being on the same video loop all the time. And uh, so you don't notice that actually the pain might have just slightly subsided the next moment because your conscious experience is dominated by the memory of the peak. so that's why it's helpful to say, it's okay, it's it's unpleasant and it's okay not to like it, because that somehow clears the cache and allows you to see the, the actuality of where the pain is now. And because it tends to have captured the peak, the actuality of now might be just slightly less. Of course, it may peak again, but it's a question of allowing yourself to see it as it is, rather than the, the mind building a mental model based on the peak and then just you experiencing the peak, the peak, the peak, the peak all the time. Um, so um, I think uh, it was a, it's a really good question. And I think it's difficult to know without knowing the particular circumstances, but what we're mostly talking about here is, is, is for people that get aches and pains and then find the picture freezes at the worst point and releasing that picture by saying it's okay not to like it, can be very liberating.
0: So just a final question. Um, Is it possible to learn to control my feeling tone?
1: The feeling tone happens automatically as a result of this meeting of objects with the body mind and in that instant it happens automatically and there's no control at all so we would be we would be on a wild goose chase to try to control that however the reaction to that feeling tone will create a cascade uh, or not If we uh, don't acknowledge the feeling tone, it very often creates a cascade. If we're aware of the feeling tone, uh, the pain or the frustration or the anger can just go poof, like that. And you can be really surprised. Where did that go? Um, And then you've controlled the feeling tone in the sense that the next moment, the sort of downstream effects have been changed. And the feeling tone of that can be almost a smile on your face rather than the grit in your teeth that that you would
0: have normally been in. Thank you Mark. So I think this is the moment just to ask you about home practice for the coming week.
1: Okay, so uh, feel free to use those standing stretches if you wish. They're They're the same that you use in the standing yoga exercises in MBSR, MBCT and just add this noticing the feeling tone of the sensations created by the stretching. Also any thoughts or emotions, register their feeling tone and add, it's okay to like this, or it's okay not to like this and see what happens. Remember, we're not saying it's okay not to like this in order to help you stretch some more. You don't. It's not about overstretching. This is about doing the normal stretching and then seeing the feeling tone on that. Then maybe on alternate days, you could use walking meditation. Again, focusing on the feet, and then whenever you find your mind wanders to other sensations or sounds or thoughts, just pause and at that moment, register their feeling tone, and then add, it's okay to like this if it's pleasant, or it's okay not to like this if it's unpleasant. And Then if you want some everyday practices, there's the 10 there's the finger gratitude exercise once per day, but also, Everything we've been practicing about Feeling Tones this week are really good everyday practices. So look out for any small moment when you notice something pleasant. It doesn't have to be anything big or important. But when you notice it, see if you can take a pause inwardly for a moment. And in that moment, what body sensations are here? What's what's here? It's okay to like this if it's pleasant. And if anything unpleasant interrupts your peace of mind this week, then acknowledging and unpleasant, ah, contact, unpleasant, and then saying, it's okay not to like this, it's okay not to like this, and just notice what happens next. So there's the practice for this week.
0: Thank you so much, Mark, uh, for your teaching today, which uh, we much appreciate, much appreciate. And thank you to everyone for being on this call and for Uh, being with us as we explore these practices together and these reflections together. Thank you for your questions. And just to say that if your question wasn't asked uh, this evening, you can be assured that Mark will see all the questions that have been submitted today, and they may well feed into uh, future sessions and future teaching. A reminder that um, you can listen to and and, listen again to the recordings of each of these sessions, if you go to YouTube and just search for Mark Williams, mindfulness frame by frame, you'll, uh, you'll be able to find the recordings of there. So just to to say thank you again, and really to wish uh, each of you well at this time. And yes, as you're doing, you might like to put in a message or to say goodbye in your own language in the chat. And uh, please know that all of us who are um, supporting these sessions really send each of you our very warmest wishes and appreciation. Yeah, thank you, bye-bye.